Well, good morning, everyone. I think right, I can start in the service this morning. Um, so I'd like to welcome you all to our service, which is led by Ron and band is leading our prayers today. Fiona and Steve will be reading the Bible passages, which are Genesis 45, verses 1 to 15, and Matthew 15, verses 10 to 21, and 21 to 28. So can I just ask us all, if we could, to just start with a prayer. We bring ourselves to you this morning, Lord, aware of our own situations, those of our church, those of our friends and family, our local community and town. We bring to you our country and the many issues we face together. We bring our world and the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Be with us now, Lord, as we bring all that we are to you. Holy Spirit, help us to focus on you, on what you want us to hear this morning, and what you want us to say to each other to support, encourage and bless. Jesus, hear our prayers, we humbly ask. Amen. There will be a prayer room breakout at the end of the service if you want to join that, and myself and Vandra will be there. But for now, it's over to Ron. Morning. Um, this prayer, the call to worship is uh, taken by readings in Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Shine on us. So your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May other peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. People with equity. And guide the nations of the earth. May the people be praise you, God. May other peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so all the ends of the earth will fear him. Amen. Um, it's, uh, from here, it's over to the Bennett family, please. Let us pray. Our, our Father, Father in heaven, heaven. Our Father, be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I can have our first reading, please. And this is uh, from Steve. Cheers, Ron. First reading is from Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 to 15. Joseph makes himself known. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Make everyone leave my presence. 
So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves and so can my brother Benjamin that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honour accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Amen. Can we the second reading, please, from Fiona? Our second reading is Matthew 15, verses 10 to 28. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. What comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. The faith of a Canaanite woman. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, 
Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us, he answered. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Amen. Hi, can we have the... Uh, no, it's me now, right? Talk. <laughs> I'll change it up. A song is afterwards. Thank you very much for that, Ben. I appreciate that. Good point, oh. sir. Right, here we go. So, this is all about expecting the unexpected. So expecting the unexpected. I want to talk about um, dead briefly what's happening to me in four weeks' time. Four weeks' time, I'm delivering my first face-to-face first aid courses. They're going to be a very, very, very COVID-19 proof, as much as at all possible. Um, I'll be doing audit checks, pre-meeting Zoom meetings, uh, big forms, two meter separation, face mask. Face shields, gloves, the lot. My final check on arrival of my six candidates, no more than six candidates, is going to be a thermometer check. Anybody with a temperature above 37.8 will go home. And that is me expecting the unexpected. I don't expect anybody to become there. Uh, displaying symptoms. But if they are, I'm expecting it. I know how to deal with it. Our first reading, the Genesis reading, we all know this story. This is Joseph. This is the time when Joseph shows himself to his brothers. Joseph has been in Egypt now for Best part of 23 years. He was 17 years old when his brothers had had enough of him talking about interpretation of his dreams. Adam begging and bowing down before him. He beat him up, threw him all the ground, left him for dead. I thought, perhaps that isn't the right thing to do. When the slave traders came around, the slave traders took him. So he sold the brother into slavery. He was 17 years old. His younger brother, Benjamin, had probably been there. Benjamin could probably be about 14, 13, 14, a young lad watching this taking place. Joseph was in Egypt for 23 years. At that point, it's gone through such big changes it has gone from being a servant to being a, a prisoner. And 10 years previous to this, became the visor of Egypt. They can interpret it dreams. In the visor of Egypt. And basically looked after Egypt's major food production and food storage for the following seven years. 
just below Pharaoh. Quite important. And the last thing in the world is brothers were expected. The last thing in the world is brothers were expected. Was that the person in front of him, because they'd gone to Egypt to buy grain, was their lost brother. Was Joseph. We read the passage. They're a bit terrified. Last time they saw him, they thought they were selling to slavery. Joseph says, Come close to me, I'm your brother. And, and they're all upset, they're all, they're all sort of angry with the fact they're angry with yourself, so selling him. And he said, Don't be. This is what it's meant to be. This was meant to be. If, this, if I hadn't sold me to slavery, I wouldn't be here. And if I hadn't been here, Egypt wouldn't have been saved. You wouldn't have been saved. It's taken 23 years for that unexpected result to come through. But Joseph being there at that time was God's idea. It's God's idea. But Joseph was going to finish in Egypt, and Joseph was to be the person he was. So that Egypt, as well as Israel, the, the, the beginning of Israel, the Hebrews, was going to be saved. I expect that the, that the, uh, the brothers was quite unexpected to say Joseph there. Esau was unexpected for Joseph. They expect to see brothers there. But it happened. And it came, probably became big, clear moments to Joseph that this was what it was all about. That 23 years. That near death experience in a, in a hole in the ground. And near death in prison. Prison in an Egyptian prison probably wasn't the best place to be. Was there for that reason. The um, second reading. There's a few unexpected things in second reading. When we look at it, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees initially, talking to the crowds, and the Pharisees amongst the crowds. So not all crowd full of Pharisees, there's Pharisees in the crowds. The crowds are there. And just previous to this, Matthew 15, the Pharisees have had a go at Jesus by saying, your disciples, your disciples, are not washing their hands before eating. They are unclean. And Jesus makes this big thing saying, it's not unclean what you put inside you, it's unclean what comes out. Pretty clear to most of us. But the Pharisees is a big no-no. And they are more than annoyed. So they might not be expecting Jesus' response. Or they might have thought that's the kind of response we expect from Jesus. 
disciples' response. They're the next group of people who are unexpected and unexpected has got to be disciples. They say, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when he heard this? I'm pretty sure Jesus knows that the Pharisees are offended. But disciples are quite surprised that Jesus made such a statement. That's where Jesus doesn't care about, about people who think he's wrong, knowing they're wrong. They tell them. So that's an unexpected one. An actually expected one possibly was. Though maybe unlikely, Jesus' response to the disciples then, saying, when Peter said, explain the parable to us, because the parable Jesus talks about was, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. The blind leads the blind, both will fall in a pit. And Peter says, explain the parable to us. And Jesus goes, are you still so dull? Don't you see what enters the mouth? That might sound a bit brusque, you're talking to disciples, but you have to put ourselves in context. Disciples are students. Jesus is the teacher. He's been trying to teach them for three years. This is halfway through a three-year period. He said, do you not, are you still so dull? Have you not been listening to what I've been saying? I have to explain this parable to you. So he explains it to him. It's the second half of the passage that makes quite a few of us feel a bit uneasy. And this is what I love about the lectionaries. If I was going to preach today, I wouldn't preach in this one. I preach on something else. And I like the lectionary, but in fact, this is what you're told to preach on. All the right lectionaries is this. The Canaanite woman, as she approaches the Jesus. I'll give you some context there. Canaan is a place where Joseph came from. 1,500 years earlier. Canaan was a land promised to Abraham. Canaan's land where the Jews, the Hebrews that became that they come uh, into Egypt, in Egypt for three hundred years. They walked into Egypt during the uh, famine. It's three hundred years afterwards they leave Egypt and Exodus. Canaan is placed that residency after forty years in the desert, and when they get there, they occupy it. And when they get there. They overcome the people there. And Canaan's those parts. The Canaanite woman, she's not Jewish. She lives in the area. She's ethnically different. She probably a different belief structure altogether. And she approaches Jesus. And she calls him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She recognises Jesus, who Jesus is. Lord, son of David. She's identifying Jesus along the Masonic line. Lord, son of David. She's got no knowledge that he is, who she believes he is. She has some mercy. 
the um the thing that we read as we read a passage and may sound a little bit brusque is his response. Now um, it might be just the way he says it. In fact, what it says first, it doesn't say it at all. He's silent. He doesn't respond to her. Jesus doesn't answer a word. The disciples come to him and urge him, send her away. She keeps crying afterwards. And then he says his words, his first words. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, to many of us, that may sound a bit harsh. bit brusque. What do you mean by that? He knows the first and then sort of maybe brushes her off. I say maybe brushes her off. It could be just his tone of voice. I was having a conversation last week. Last, yeah, a couple of days back. With my youngest son, Ben. As Ben mentioned to us the fact that prior to the Disney film, the dwarfs didn't have names. Seven dwarfs didn't have names at all. I thought, that's a surprise. But again, Disney, you know, to do merchandise. I couldn't understand that. So I said to Ben, I said, so Ben, so what dwarf would you identify me with? That might give us a shock. That his initial one was somewhere between Grumpy and Duck. I can see her smiling and laughing at that. So it's a Grumpy and Duck. Now, I don't feel that I'm Grumpy. It comes as a big shock to me that some people might think my mannerisms are quite brusque. So I don't think I'm Grumpy at all. But, you know... Somewhere between Grumpy and Duck is where I fall in place. So I'm I'm paying with that. What I'm saying is Jesus might just be having a bad day. Where's not saying what he says as he always says it? He answered her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now we can read that in two ways. He took he could go for the um, the grumpy mode. I'm a, it's my best grumpy voice. I was sent only to the lost sheep of of Israel. Or it could be more of a questioning one. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And his tongue was his approach. It might be Jesus is trying to realise at this point, you know, I'm there for more than just these Hebrews here. I am sent for the lost sheep of Israel. The women then came and knelt before him and says, Lord, help me. She's asked him again, second time. He replies, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now he could have said, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. But I think he's still questioning himself there. You know, it's not right to take the the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Either way does it. She comes up with a witty response and says, you know, but even the dogs can get crumbs on the stable. He says, yep. Your daughter's healed. 
Your request has been granted. Done. I don't think Jesus was surprised by the Canaanite woman. It might have been. So maybe the unexpected one for Jesus was Jesus didn't expect the Canaanite woman to approach him and ask for ask for healing for, for a daughter. It may be, but I think Jesus is, you know, in that three years from his baptism to his crucifixion, he's finding more about how he is as Jesus, son of God, as Jesus, son of man, as Jesus, the Messiah, as Jesus, who was going to save the world. He's finding out more that that one place in the Australia period. But it might be that he's actually using this passage here to give further instructions to his disciples. Because you know what you notice about the disciples here? They don't ask Jesus to heal the woman's daughter. They ask Jesus to send her away for she keeps crying about after us. They've got no compassion for her. She's a Canaanite. Jesus, sent, they say, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. So you don't expect it might well have been. But you say, I'm here for everybody. I'm here for everybody. The um, the reading I'm looking at, number of the readings for this weekend, is from Isaiah 56, um, 1 and 6 to 8. Jesus knows who he is and knows he's for everybody. And he's referring, we're referring here to Isaiah one of the prophecies from 600 years earlier. The prophecy is, this is what the Lord says, maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all they keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and all fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy to my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifice will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those that had already gathered. In Matthew's Gospel, which is a mainly the Jewish one, it's targeted to what was the, the Hebrews, finishes with a great commission when they're told to go out and convert the planet. This, I think, is the unexpected one here, is the unexpected one of the disciples. They didn't expect him to perform this miracle. So what we need to do? We need to expect the unexpected. And many times in our church yesterday, we have just expected the unexpected. Or the unexpected happened to us. 
and it's happened based on major positives. Andy Cameron told me last the other day that he's um, a few weeks back he walked up to the old church and the uh, the old church site. And the church there moved in 1971. And the old church site outside the motorway. So nowhere. 1971, they started initially meeting in offices on the science park, or it's on the science park. And then we built the old church, and then we extended the old church. But that moved then in 1971, which happens to be next year. So something to celebrate next year would have taken place. And we unexpected that was going to happen, happen next. If they're not moved, if they want to be diverted somewhere else, I'd be surprised that congregation is still in existence today. Small little Presbyterian community there, what a small church. 50 years on, well, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, we had to extend the church because it wasn't too small. The church we built in, in locking stumps was built based on the size of the community we actually had in 1971. We expect unexpected. The next unexpected thing that happened to us as a church, that's asked to be the time when the church decided we had to extend. We still have extended the church for a number of years. Many was not a story about difficult it was to try and get to a design, get to a, a concept of what we build our church, what we're going to do with it. And the times when God sort of said to us, well, I'm going to build this church in spite of these many ways. We're going to find the money for it. We're going to do it. And for the money that was needed to extend the church, £300,000, which was needed to extend the church in 1999, 2000. £300,000. We've uh, no idea where it's coming from. There's a call to give funds to, for people, the community to fund it, for the church community, our congregation to fund part of it. And we decided we could do that. And something like a quarter of the funds was found from direct giving and loans for the next four years. Then, we got funding from the, the existing funds we had some available to us. Then we had funds that came from Mr. Synod. And then we had funds that came from National Synod. Before we knew it, the £300,000 was found. The Lord expects and said to us, you have to show yourself. Commit yourself to this. And when we committed ourselves to that, with our donations, our contributions and our loans and things, the Lord blessed it fourfold. In 12 months, the church had built. In 12 months, it happened. Next year, or this year actually, is the anniversary of the church being extended. November, November 12, 2020, will be the 20th anniversary of the church being extended. Only a few weeks off. It's when we listen to God, 
is where you, he shows this. And an example, that's not to do with the, the church itself. You know, when we think about it. I would have thought we would be in poppies in 2018. That meeting at the poppies in 2018 was an handful of people in the church room thinking, what can we do? And we had all kinds of ideas and thoughts. As we spoke about it, and we prayed about it, it worked out. I thought, this is what will be on it. And people, we went away. We could, uh, we could plan to travel. We could go, um, size of puppies, names. We had not seen anybody else do this. Only the following weeks, we we probably seen loads of people putting puppies in very sort of parts of, when we, very sort of parts of town. Very sort of towns was putting puppies on the, on the lights. On the lights. We had no idea it's happened. We were just told it's a good thing to do. And we did it. And our community was blessed by it. Our community responded to that. So, as a church, we need to keep on asking. Asking him. We need to keep on listening. Listening to what he's saying to us. We need to keep on doing. Because he has the plan. Amen. Can we uh, have the first song, please? Breaks the chain. 
times good news seems extra good and so we give thanks for the safe delivery of Eleanor Grace. We ask for your blessings upon her, Rachel and Daniel and of course Tim and Dan. Lord we pray for the young people who have received their A-level results this week. Many are anxious and angry about their futures. We pray for peace for them and a clear, fair and decisive action from our government. Heavenly Father, we pray for the two teenagers who were last seen in the sea yesterday evening near Lytham St. Anne's. I have no further update, Lord, but we pray for their safe return and we know that you know their situation now. We pray, Lord, for their safe return We pray for their families and for the brilliant RNLI doing such precious life-saving work. Lord, we pray for those abroad on holiday and the anxiety they have over quarantine and work when they return. 
We pray for the people of Belarus as they fight against political injustice. And we continue to pray for the people of Beirut as they struggle to rebuild their lives and their city. In a short time of quiet, let us add our friends and loved ones to these prayers. Your kingdom come here, Lord, in our land. Your will be done, Lord, throughout the world, as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Now, can we have a, a song, please?
Well, Tudor Ellen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being involved this morning. Thanks, Ron, for sharing. Um, can I ask us all to unmute? <clears throat> and we'll say the grace together. May the grace Amen. 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 Amen.